Hello and welcome to season three, episode two of To The Studio. How's it going? On the podcast today, we have Kerry Hand and Henny O'Clock. Our first guest, Kerry Hand, originally trained as an artist and has extensive experience of working in the arts and culture sector, with previous key positions including Director of Programmes at Somerset House, Associate Director of Institutions and Public Relations at Simon Lee Gallery, Associate Consultant at the Contemporary Art Society in London, and she was Director of her own gallery, which was Kerry Hand Gallery, both in London and in Liverpool. She's worked closely with emerging and established artists throughout her career, commissioning, producing, programming, exhibiting and selling new interdisciplinary, intergenerational work, including large-scale live events, performances, public realm works, touring exhibitions and public engagement, participation and education programmes. She's curated over 250 exhibitions and events and was a contributing curator to the Liverpool Biennial in 2004 and 2006, as well as Liverpool's Capital of Culture Year in 2008. Our second guest, Henny O'Clock, is an artist currently living in London, having recently graduated from the MA Painting course at the Royal College of Art. Recent solo shows for Henny have included Hatchie at Eppensburger Romberg in Salzburg, Jerk, which was at Gallery Tristan Lorenz in Frankfurt, Life After Magic at Kerry Hand Gallery in London, Justice at the, Ta- the China Shop in Oxford, Circumstances at First Four Projects in London, Addressing, which was at Kerry Hand Gallery 2, but in Liverpool. So Kerry and Henny have known each other for many years, and there's a great respect between them both. Um, it was a Another rare chance for me to firstly learn more about each of their practices, but also how their relationship has grown in that time and what has fostered it. As a painter myself, I've often wondered about the relationship between a gallerist or mentor and an artist, and Kerry and Henny's generosity and openness in this episode, I think really allowed me to gain a deeper insight into why the dynamics of that relationship are crucial and how beneficial that relationship can be for both parties. In our chat, we also talk about the power of vulnerability, the importance of sustaining professional relationships, the benefits of taking risks, of honesty and trusting oneself. Uh, Just one last thing from me, Um, just to let you know that there are a couple of times where the audio skips a bit, um, which was purely down to our internet connections dropping at the time of recording. So really sorry about that. Um, I'm pretty sure it only happens once or twice. Um, So... I really hope you enjoy listening. Here's our chat. <laughs> Hello, Kerry. How are you doing? Hello. <laughs> Hi. It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> it's very actually. nice to meet you too. Um, so I think for, for, our, for our listeners at the beginning, I'll, I'll, I'll set the scene. So yeah. I'm with Henny. Um, we've just been to visit Henny's, Henny's studio, just up the road from a house in South West London. Um, and it just so happens with this episode that we're talking to Kerry through um, an online application, as we call it. Um, so um, if there's any discrepancy in sound for you guys, uh, for your listeners, then that might be why. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think, I think we can get going. Um, so 
Hi, Henny. Yeah. Hi, Dave. <laughs> um, Hi, Kerry. <laughs> Hi, Henny. <laughs> um, how, how have you been, Kerry? What have you been up to today? Good. Um, today, I started the day with a meeting with an artist, and I had a call with a gallerist overseas who I might be doing some work with and then I took a break to do some work and a little bit of a rest there's a there's a lot on in the calendar at the moment so yeah um just really uh talking to artists which is really fantastic so it's nice to be with you here tonight yeah it's, it's lovely it's lovely to have you here and Henny I know you've just been to your studio, but how's, how's your day been? What have you been up to? My day's been good, thanks. So the day started off in mummyhood, where I took my little one swimming and then clicked out of mummy zone and had a couple of hours in the studio this afternoon, which is great. So that's a positive day. <laughs> that's a positive day. <laughs> um, so I think to kick things off, um, I think to start off, it's be interesting to hear about kind of both of both of yourselves and your backgrounds. Um and kind of introduce us to your relationship to one another um, and how that all came about. Either of you can start, I don't mind. Uh, do you want to start, Carrie? Shall I start? No. Okay. So I think Mel Brimfield actually originally introduced me to um, Henny's work. Mel's another brilliant artist and um, Mel knows what kind of weirdness I like. And um, she had included Henny in an exhibition that she curated at The Collective, I think, in Edinburgh. Is that right? It was called The Golden Record. Um, was that one of the first times? Yeah, I think Maybe. it was the John Moores. Oh, yeah, John Moores. Sorry, there you go. It was the crossover of these things coming, <laughs> coming together. Um, and I kind of liked what I saw of Henny's work and I just had a hunch that we might be as strange as each other. So I reached out and um, invited Henny. When I set the gallery up, I invited Henny to come to Liverpool to see the gallery. So the very first time, actually, it was before I'd set up the gallery, before I'd started representing artists. Um, and so I picked Henny up from the station. Um, I think I swore proficiently um, in the car, which might have sealed our relationship from the off. Um, Henny turned up at Liverpool Lime Street with this massive IKEA bag full of the most amazing paintings. Um, and so I was a bit surprised because we'd never met before, but I thought, well, that's fantastic. Fantastic. I'm excited. It means I get to see the work in the flesh, which is amazing. And I think, Henny, you were about to go to Buenos Aires, weren't you? So yeah. She literally turned up really uh, super colourful and um, just radiating sort of positivity. So I guess from that minute, for me anyway, um, we went back to my house in Liverpool and just put all the work out round the t on the table, didn't we? And we just yeah. talked for a few hours um, and ate, went for some food and talked non-stop, really. And I think it's probably during that conversation that I got a hunch that I, I mean, I loved her as a person, <laughs> but also I really loved the work, but I was also really excited where the work could go. And I really just thought that I might be able to support her in, reaching her potential in some way um through yeah different kinds of support mm. so we cut that was the first moment is that right yeah that's spot on that's spot on <laughs> yeah I was going to mention I think that initial bond was definitely that fruity car journey like I was as nervous <laughs> as hell never gone to Liverpool before and 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 yeah it's 
swearing on both parts and and I think that you're right that just sealed the bond (laughs) (laughs) um and also just like a natural conversation as well um and that it naturally flowed which one doesn't you know always get it just kind of felt right um and yeah it was great mutual love was there (laughs) (laughs) so I guess you've known each other for a long for a long time and, and you know each other quite well. Maybe you could describe how you feel about kind of one another's work and what each other person does. Yeah, well, I guess from the outset, when I met Kerry, I really admired um, Kerry's honesty um, and Kerry's ability to kind of worm and still worm out of one one's best best of one's abilities and to 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 push and also the way in which just kind of obviously over the many years as well seeing Kerry work with so many different people from so many different backgrounds so many different disciplines and there are very few people out there who who can do that and have that dexterity and hold that respect and that enthusiasm and yeah that sounds that sounds really naff doesn't it but it's true there's only one Kerry hand and and I feel like really lucky to have have met Kerry then, and you know Kerry always has that belief, yeah, that belief in one that um, is yeah is 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 priceless really, um, yeah, and 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 that melts off everyone you know that's met Kerry and all the artists that Kerry's work with. I think everyone says the same the same thing oh, thanks honey yeah. you make me blush <laughs> <laughs> well it's Thank true you. it's a you're a rare breed in this world <laughs> oh. well likewise i think um i mean one of the first things that anybody who gets to know henny is that she's incredibly effusive and has a real vitality and love of life and that, <laughs> that kind of exudes but there's a an amazing generosity for Henny with any artist with anybody on the planet it doesn't matter whether you know you're um, somebody she's never met but certainly if you're lucky enough to be um, in her circle of friends she's ridiculously generous thoughtful and super positive and supporting really and that extends so when you know from when she was at college uh, supporting her student friends through to other artists and I think that actually is quite rare Um, and I think in likewise the respect and honesty and a kind of self-knowledge um one thing that's amazing about henny which i think is why we worked so well together was that she's desperate to learn and to engage with the world and to keep pushing her own practice so she's not precious she can have really critical conversations and she mm. totally knows when you've called her out on something she knows it <laughs> and and it's you know it's a an easy dialogue really because that trust is there so she's afforded me that trust so that I can give her honest feedback and you know we earned it from each other really so yeah. there's a deep knowledge and understanding that um Henny's trying to push the edges of her own practice all the time. Um, and that actually that adventuring spirit, you know, is across everything, you know, not just uh, her work, but actually 
what she wants to achieve in life, where she wants to go, learning different languages, different cultures. Um, so I think for me, it's the kind of effervescence in her practice and in the way she approaches life. It's uh, She's like a magnet, I guess, to positivity. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I guess the way that one lives one's life and that it does kind of reflect in one's practice. Um, yeah, thinking about that that first time when I first met you and I was going to Buenos Aires and I was working for birds of prey in the zoo in the morning and then having my studio practice in the afternoons. And, you know, these kind of quite diverse kind of crazy things, yeah. And I guess that actually, in ways, that kind of, yeah, that still continues. I remember those um, said to me images from Buenos Aires and um, she'd been feeding mice to snakes or yeah. um, something in the morning yeah. <laughs> and then um, sent to me these incredible drawings in the afternoon um, which was exciting to see and then just put them all in a suitcase to bring home with her so that kind of real candy attitude I think um, is kind of infectious. Mm. Mm. And I think a lot of those words that you just used Kerry, I probably used a few of those in that studio visit just then. Yeah. Um, it's always It's always been a joy visiting your studio for sure you, you can't help but be uplifted I think when you when you walk into a any any space <laughs> that's yeah. so great because so often I think when one lives in it and when one's in the studio the whole time you don't kind of see that really if you're in it the whole time mm. so it's that's a love it's so great actually that Dave could come to the studio earlier because mm. yeah I guess it's rare getting visitors coming in um and just kind of having having that kind of positive feedback because quite often I guess one doesn't see that that joy because you're struggling with the work so much yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's what keeps it going yeah yeah um well I guess that kind of moves moves me on to another question I wanted to ask really and I wanted to begin with your your gallery Kerry um and that opened was it was it 2008 it was 2008 yeah. um and it was it opened in in, in Liverpool um, so I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you maybe was what was about Liverpool at that time that made you want to start up there, um, yeah, rather than rather than anywhere else at that time. Hmm. Well, it was probably a ludicrous idea, really. Um, it was certainly um, it was born out of having come from Grisdale Arts to Fact. So um, I was director of exhibitions at Fact. In Liverpool for three, three and a half years and contributed towards the Liverpool Biennial in 2004 and 2006 and the Capital of Culture in 2008. So I'd kind of programmed ahead through 2008 um, and I went to Metal for a short while and I guess in all of the roles I was really interested in learning ways to create platforms for artists and to engage new opportunities and possibilities for artists. What I'd learned from working within organisations was that when you are navigating this big ship of an institution or an organisation, there's a lot of administration and kind of meetings and wider networking and all of those other things that take up your hours. And the time that you end up spending with artists in a deep way, in a meaningful way, where you can see the world through their eyes at a certain pace. You know, it's when you're producing content um, in exhibitions or publications or events, there's a churn 
quite literally, you know, I lived my life every six weeks for years where you are living at a certain pace where you get to meet the artist, you develop the show together, it opens, and then you're lucky if you see each other again, you know. Mm. Um, and what I loved about Grisdale was that actually I worked with artists over a longer period, um, and certainly metal has the same approach. But I got to the point where I was thinking, I could see there was a gap in Liverpool. Um, I was on the board of Open Eye Gallery, helping them to move to their new photography space at the waterfront. So I was involved in the planning and development of that. And I was involved uh, in the Tate Liverpool Members Committee, supporting them. But I was really knew a lot of the artists and a lot of the eco-structure in Liverpool from the university to all the other arts organisations. And I could just see this gap, you know, the commercial gallery as such I was thinking more like it was a way of selling work but actually it was also developing um, almost like a record label you know of interesting like an old school kind of like 4AD or uh, Motown maybe where you have a range of artists that have got a similar kind of chutzpah or you know a similar range and ways of seeing the world um, and I wanted to dig deep, run as quickly as artists do. I wanted to support artists in an ongoing way. I wanted to see how their work would develop and what I could bring to the table. So I'd worked with high profile artists, established artists, but actually what really makes me happy in the world is supporting artists in that ignition moment. So making something become a reality mm -hmm. and supporting them to know what's possible with a bit of investment and time and care and so I actually prefer working with emerging to mid-career artists and having that dialogue and being a sounding board really and a trusted kind of critical friend so um, I had worked in the publicly funded sector for years but because I knew that that was a gap and there was no commercial gallery between London and Scotland because the other galleries um, like my friend's workplace and International 3 for example had public funding to support them they were doing brilliant work as well um, but I decided that the public funding was also shaping how we were creative and that desire, that's, um, I guess, that commitment and desire to rely on public funding was actually also changing our ambitions and way, ways of thinking. So I decided, I did, I actually did have a little bit of funding from the Arts Council, um, which I was grateful for to do some research and development. So I did a SWOT analysis of locations in Liverpool, and um, I spoke to two hundred people, curators, writers, gallerists, um, to kind of really flesh out what kind of model I was interested in. Um, and then I told somebody from that I used to work with at FACT um, that I was interested in setting something up and I was looking for a place. And she said, oh, my sister and her husband might know somewhere. So she made an introduction to this incredible couple called Ronan, Ronan. Trina Hughes, 
And I went for dinner and we had some amazing dinner and lots of wine. And Rowan said, oh, I've got a place. Do you want to come and see it? And I said, oh, okay. Um, And it turned out it was a derelict warehouse um, on the waterfront. And um, but he said, the only thing is you've got to come um, tomorrow morning. This is after drinking copious <laughs> bottles of wine. And um, so I said, okay, so eight o'clock, he picked me up in this tiny little truck and uh, took me to this warehouse. And it was abandoned and there was just pigeon shit everywhere. <laughs> cars, old cars. And it was a uh, double height, but there was no floor in it. And so um, he took me up in a cherry picker. <laughs> literally up to the sort of halfway up and he said what about this and I thought wow it's it's a mile and a half from the city centre which kind of doesn't make any sense but you know there was just something about Rowan and you know his belief that I could do it as well which was just infectious so I said okay I'm going to think about it so this bearing in mind I'm I don't have any I'm not from a wealthy background I didn't have like startup capital Mm. um and I just had an idea and ambition and so I went away and then Rowan kept calling me and he said, you've got to make a decision by Monday, basically. So um, I really cracked myself, like just thinking, <laughs> is this the most ridiculous thing? You know, because ideally you would be in the middle of the centre, you know, but the space was so big. And I just thought, I know so many artists who would love to make work for a show there. And I just thought, oh, sod it. What have I got to lose? And so... Um, I called him back and said yes. So that was in the February of 2008. And um, I had programmed stuff at Fact and Metal for the Capital of Culture. So I just thought, right, I'm going to get it open for the Capital of Culture year. Mm. I need to be open. So we worked our asses off between February and May 2008 to transform it into a gallery space, um, put a floor in, um, cleaned these old urinals that were in the bottom. I mean, it, we worked ridiculously hard. Um, and then um, I had been talking to artists like Henny in advance and mm. Rebecca Lennon and people that I really thought we could do something interesting and special together. Mm. So we did, we launched. And um, Bedway Williams and the Juno projects um, were there to perform at the launch. And um, it was quite a miracle really, that we managed to get it open. So I guess the the impact being in that space, in that area, obviously it just meant that it bought us the space and the time to do really ambitious shows. And even though it was a little bit out of the centre, you know, we couldn't have afforded a space like that. Um, but it did create a swell of interest outside of Liverpool because of the scale of ambition. Mm. You know, we hit the ground running, so... Um, yeah, I just that's your question. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, that um, interesting you say kind of and the word ambition at the end of all that because um, I wanted to ask you and I wanted to open this up to you, Henny, as well. As well, um, kind of how how you kind of how you chose to discover your artists or the different ways that the ways that you discovered them um, and what you kind of look for in an artist. Um, and I guess for you, Henny, what you would look for in a gallerist or a gallery. And maybe I'm wondering if those two things might marry up. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I should start by saying I feel 
quite spoiled by having had Carrie as as my gallerist. What was it? Was it seven years? Wasn't it? Um, the bar was set very high. Um, I think one of the the main things and the most important thing is honesty and trust that Carrie was alluding to earlier. And and I think yeah, you 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 feel that trust, honesty, um, and also someone that's um, actively going to kind of push you to the next level and encourage you and and to kind of have a dialogue and I think that's what we we always felt you know with Carrie that, that there was a dialogue Carrie would ring up and say you know how are you doing as well maybe maybe we wouldn't even talk about one's practice one day just kind of that nurturing mm. um which is incredibly special I think Dave we were talking earlier actually in the studio you know I think um a lot of artists perhaps don't talk about that you know there are lots of lovely galleries out there and, and also there are ones that I think you know where ones it's a bit flaky perhaps and things are promised and 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 things aren't carried forward and that's a lot yeah to, to be avoided but sometimes yeah one doesn't know until you're in it to avoid it um so yeah I'd say trust and honesty are just absolutely fundamental um and and someone that's that's in, yeah enthusiastic and um, yeah that's just kind of with you that can then or that can share and see your vision and 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 push you and I think you know that you know as we were saying like through that the, the conversation that you have it kind of it flows it works there's as I'm I'm gonna swear now I feel like we're no, back no, on the car it. journey you know there's no sort of bullshit and and I think that's quite easy and as one meets people as one goes along you know in the last however many years now I feel a bit old um yeah you get to pick those people out and you know mm. who yeah honesty trust I think honesty and trust is really important because I think you know when artists the, the really that divide between art and life is um is kind of it's the same thing it's just life you know and there are moments in an artist's life um, where their personal situation is in flux or is changed or certain things happen that has an impact on their um, state of being, their, their well-being, their mental health. And I think unless you really understand what those challenges are for somebody and understand the conditions in which creativity is needed to thrive and not just survive, but also sometimes when you know we all have a way of perceiving ourselves that is based on old stories you know the, there's there's something in there sometimes that holds us back and it's not our you know it's not our story we've inherited it or it's come from other um people and i think very often um artists are super hard on themselves you know and compare themselves and get anxiety about a number of things that actually are imagined things you know and so if you understand what makes the whole person you can really support them when they need to have a moment reflected back to them to say that actually we can work through this there's some practical things we can do but actually it's really important to acknowledge the whole person the whole artist and i think yeah. that that conversation and somebody being willing to be vulnerable with you yeah and likewise i think the gallerist has to be vulnerable in return i think it's it's it really is like a marriage you know yeah. it's like a relationship that you go through highs and lows and you have to respect somebody 
fundamentally. You know, you yeah. have to know their their pros and their cons. You have to be able to take take it on the chin. Yeah. And I think you have to really be prepared to see beyond. We all act up and we all say ridiculous things when we're frightened or tired mm. or scared. Or And mm. I think the reality is you have to really believe in the bigger picture together. And so I think the exciting thing for me working with an artist is when they can see the potential and they're maybe not quite there yet, mm. but they're willing to give it a try. They're willing to take a risk in their own practice, but also in their own sensibilities, I guess, and the things that they've learned and the things they want to learn. Mm. And so for me, that's an incredibly exciting journey to go on with an artist because you're really teaching each other new things and um, you know I've learned so much from working with Henny and from all the artists that I've worked with over the years and you know my life is much richer for it um, but I think you know in it in exchange you know there's times where you have to be able to laugh at the ridiculous shit that the art world throws at you and it is it's a ridiculous place to be so you know this we have to be careful we don't take ourselves too seriously sometimes so there's one that Henny and I always laugh we we might cry and laugh in the same evening yeah <laughs> but, it's so you know, true it's, but just to have that is 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 you know is rare and is so important and I think you know that's what makes um you know a good conversation and and, and that makes a trust deeper and obviously that's happened you know more and more over you know over time you know it doesn't happen kind of overnight um and and yeah, as you say, going through lots of different experiences together, and kind of respecting all of that, and yeah, we we've we've been through our fair share, and and <laughs> and, and and it's great. You just always come out the other side, mm. um, but you know, everyone does. So yeah, yeah, I I really enjoy hearing that um, you both talking about that kind of sustained relationship because um, I think it's something that a lot of us can can worry about when kind of galleries and artists are concerned. Is that yeah, is you can have a relationship that is sustained and that actually the pastoral kind of role of a gallery or whatever is just as important as maybe the professional side of things, um, or they're kind of the same thing. Um, so that's quite an exciting idea for me, that that is still kind of quite prominent in, in the art world, and it, and it can be. And also, you know, it's great to see the fruits of what that sustained relationship and trust together can can give and the shows that it can create and the community that it can kind of conjure um so yeah that's, yeah i mean that was that was lovely hearing you two talk about that so thank you <laughs> um keeping on with the positivity what do you um enjoy most well what, what did you enjoy most in your role as a gallerist kerry would you say i guess it is the relationship mm. with artists but um i guess i'm a creative person too so I've turned, I trained as an artist, so I really like getting inside an idea and I've always thought of idea as form. So when somebody says a sentence to me and I can kind of get inside it and know whether it's got potential and then make it happen and I feel very excited about um, I'm less interested once it's happened, <laughs> if I'm honest. It definitely is that... Um, yeah, it's that, it is that transformation moment. That's what I'm interested in. And I'm interested in supporting artists to see how we can shift perception. 
not just for ourselves, mm. but for other people. So I'm generally always interested in people who want to shift the status quo and um, upset the apple cart a little bit. <laughs> and I'm interested in artists who are deep thinkers but have a sense of playfulness and a desire to connect on a slightly deeper level, I suppose. So most of the artists that I know and love and that make me feel happy to be alive are interested in changing the world for the better for others, not just themselves. Mm. Yeah. So that makes me feel um, like it's a journey worth going on, I guess. Um, but actually just having ideas and making them happen is what I live for, mm. I guess. And and helping other people to do that now so i guess i'm doing the best bits of the gallerist job in my new mentoring role but yeah. without the pressure on sales yeah. i can advise but i'm not having to sell works for people mm. and the transactional part of my relationship with artists actually makes it very clear that i'm providing a service and I think I always was, but I think there are certain elements of the commercial sector that are so confusing and complicated for people to understand that it creates a weird paranoia for yeah, everybody yeah. that's not healthy. It didn't suit me yeah. and um, I don't think it's good for artists either when they, the gaps between who it's for, why they're doing it, and what happens to the work in the world. Mm. Um, when it's so oblique and not transparent. So mm. at the moment, I'm absolutely loving working with so many artists um, and supporting them in a deep way, um, but really them address issues and moments and now advising on pricing or placing works or mm. collectors that might be interested in their work. But um, actually, I think it's still about earning trust and being able to understand what somebody needs from their work, what somebody needs from the world, and who they want on fire, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah. And um, once I understand that and what they're capable of that they might not be doing just yet, mm. um, then I can understand how I can help. And so that opportunity for an artist to set the world ablaze is very exciting to me. And I love giving them the confidence and the support to be able mm. to help them, yeah, get some uh, power in their boots. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, when we when we first talked about, you know, I think it's a few months ago, me and Henny talked about doing an, an episode together and who she might want to invite on as a guest. You were the first person that came to mind. She was adamant that it, that it was you the whole time. Um, and <laughs> I guess because you've been so fundamental to, to her kind of um, progression as an artist and as a person, it, it, it sounds too. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know, could you, could you talk a bit about that and how... Well, I guess I think Kerry's just sort of said it, putting fire into boots, and Kerry puts fire into everyone's boots who she talks to. And I think, I think Kerry, you know, personally, I think Kerry was the first person after I'd left. I did my BA at, at Bristol um, uh, back in ninety. 
oh, I shouldn't admit that, should I? 99, whenever it was. And Carrie was the first person when I left who actually seriously um, was serious about my practice. And I could tell, actually, I, you know, I was having a conversation with someone who didn't think that I was some complete weirdo on another planet. And, wow, this is someone that gets and understands me. And... And so I guess, yeah, I've kind of gripped onto that and that's that's kind of stuck. I'm not sure I've answered your question. Um, no, no, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just, I guess your, your your experience of kind of why and how care has been so fundamental to... Yeah, to and I think I think also to have that, consist, that consistency has been phenomenal, um, you know, as, you know, over all, you know, over the years and, you know, it, in, and we've continued that relationship, you know, post the, the gallery closing and, you know, Kerry supported me with my decision to go to the RCA. And so it's all that it's, you know, it's the confidence. It's just, I guess it's someone that sounds a bit enough. I guess it's sort of someone holding your hand, but, but that kind of reassurance, which all artists kind of hate to admit, but I will put my hands up and say that, you know what, we, we do love to have that. And it's, and it's great that someone who believes in you can do that, can do that with you. Um, and you know, from, from Bristol, yeah, I don't have anyone that was, that was on my course that's still practicing. And I, you know, I, I grew up in the countryside and when I came to London 2000, you know, I didn't know really what a city or, or kind of town was and kind of felt quite on my own. I was never really part of a of a group. We were saying that earlier, I was never part of a group or never really have been part of a, a collective of people. I guess I've always just kind of mumbled along and got on well with everyone, but not in particularly a tribe. Um, and then to kind of have the magnet as carry kind of um, the car journey and then with Mel Brimfield, the eggy bread in Liverpool. Um, and yeah, that it stays with you forever, I guess. Mm. And that makes it, yeah. I guess, well, I guess it'd be a good chance now to talk about the, the, your artist mentor program, Kerry, um, that's been running for the last six years. I hope I'm correct in saying that. Um, <laughs> I guess it'd be nice if you could first explain kind of what that is to everybody um, and and why you chose to set that up. Um, yeah. So Artist Mentor um, was established to support artists on their creative journeys and to enable them to address either issues or periods of change or um new directions that they would like to address and I guess it was it came out of when I closed the gallery and I was really thinking about what is it that I love about working with artists so much and what do I think that I could offer you know continue mm -hmm. to offer um, and, and it came down to that it came to that kind of really deep belief that in the value of what they're doing and deep belief in the value that they can achieve what they want to achieve with a little bit of confidence and support and critical reflection you know I'm any old testament I'm sure that you know it's not all sweetness and flowers you know we have challenging conversations where we take the piss you know and yeah. it's important to know that you've got someone that you can you can do that with fundamental your foibles or your kind of idiosyncrasies or the kind of nonsense that you've convinced yourself that something's really important and it might not be. So I knew that there was a kind of um, 
gap in between commercial galleries and artist-led studios because of the experience I'd had in curating and all the kind of administration stuff. You know, I'd seen it from the other side, um, whether it's publishing. I mean, I've pretty much done every job in the art world. And so um, I, it was just wanting to be useful, really. And so when I closed the gallery, I was devastated and really upset but I had two weeks off licking my wounds and then Contemporary Art Society called up and asked me to go and work with them as an associate consultant um, supporting um, the commissioning and delivery of large-scale public artworks and then up projects did anyway they were part-time contracts and so I thought oh, I'll do some mentoring kind of in between just to see if anyone's interested so um, it just went word of mouth and then I was doing it more or less um, I ended up doing it full-time I think for a year and a half um, I loved it I, w I had a membership to um, House of St Barnabas um, where Henny had some work, actually, and Eleanor too. Quite a few of the artists had work at there. Um, and I would meet artists and we'd spend time um, addressing certain issues. And I loved it. It was everything about the art world that I really liked in that there was a genuine desire to dig deep into ideas, make them come to fruition and support artists to be the best that they could be. I guess. And I then got a call from Simon Lee Gallery um, to go and work from them to, as a, a associate director um, where I was placing artists' work with museums and institutions and doing their sort of PR for the galleries in um, Hong Kong, London and New York. And so th I, that was the last part of the uh, um, art world that I hadn't done which is work for a blue chip <laughs> so I went to work for them and um, and then I did that for 18 months and then the job at Somerset House came up as director of programs and that actually felt like well that's the biggest audience for any creative work they have an audience of three well they did have an audience of three and a half million people so I figured actually it was a nice that was the last piece in the puzzle in terms of um, programming at that scale. You know, I'd never run an ice rink before um, <laughs> or um, gigs for 3,000 people every night. You know, there was a whole host of other stuff that I could learn. Mm. Um, but um, also with Somerset House Studios and artists being in the heart of the organisation, it was very much bringing all those things together. So... This is a long-winded way of answering your question, I'm sorry. So um, it then came to um, the end of last year, I guess I was starting to feel that um, I run quite quickly. You know, I've, I've worked very hard and done a lot over the years and I like to run as quickly as artists. And when you become a director of a, an organisation or an institution, um, you know, you, really you spend less time with artists. Mm. And so as much as I, I loved my job with my colleagues at Somerset House, who are the most amazing people, and there was so much I loved, um, I decided to leave um, at the beginning of this year. And I was going to have a couple of months off before I started a new job. And it was going to be my 
sideways step towards having a mentoring B&B by the sea. And, um, but in between, COVID hit. And so I ended up having to do handover and support Somerset House in basically locking down the site and kind of winding down all the programme that I'd worked hard putting in place for the next two years. And um, so I still haven't had my leaving party with my team, which oh, is very no. bad. But um, I, so in the gap between Somerset House and the new job I was going to start on the 1st of June, um, my aunt died of COVID and I decided to take a huge look at my life and I had turned 50 in February. It's another thing. And um, I had quite a serious accident last year. These things all came together for me deciding that I wanted to really realise my own creativity. And I also, if I'm honest, had started to feel that our systems of supporting artists were not where I thought they should be and mm. that we've now seen evidence that people are you know all starting to feel the same you know that actually mm. the structures and systems that are in place for the arts are not effective and that's from academia right through to our museums and institutions as much as I love my colleagues in all of those mm. places mm. Um, I think that capitalism has impacted on us all to the point where we can't see and we're not honest about our desire. So I decided to, um, in between that gap, I decided to um, put a few Instagram posts up for offering mentoring services at um, really affordable rates just to see if I could help any artists in this interim period. And, um, and then after my aunt died and I had this reassessment, it basically took off. So I had like literally a week off after Somerset House. And I've now worked with like 250 artists worldwide um, from amazingly Buenos Aires through to <laughs> Australia to um, France and Italy. And, but I'm also working uh, kind of creative coaching with um, curators, producers, actually some gallerists museum directors and uh, there's some other kinds of projects that are coming coming good so I decided to turn down the job um, and make myself more available for my family so I'm going to leave London and um, going to move somewhere closer to my family which so we've just sold the flat and I am now looking at how that model um, is working and I would say that it's the best decision I ever made. Actually. Well, congratulations <laughs> for that. Yeah, because it's Thank so you. gutsy to make that move. And as you say, you know, it's so interesting because you really have seen every side mm. of all, you know, within the arts. And I think it's rare that you get someone that speaks so honestly about it. And actually, Dave and I were saying earlier in the studio about one of those things when you were saying that art world's all sort of slightly, I don't know if tits up's the right word, but... Um, and, and we were saying, yeah, it's, it's so hard. I think artists don't talk enough about kind of what is necessarily going on or we were saying about, um, you know, being honest um, 
in conversation or to each other and kind of like one should be sort of sharing a bit more and and what have you and and we were both saying actually don't know we're allowed to say that both saying that kind of how you know the rca is kind of there wasn't enough kind of critical well i definitely found found that there wasn't that kind of enough critical engagement that i was expecting um and and you know that is fundamental to bounce off but that's slightly varying off what, what you've just said but yeah i think it's really gutsy of you to kind of pick that all up and go with what you really love and that's mm. that's pretty awesome yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I'm lucky, you know, I'm lucky that artists are trusting, but also I just, it's really nice to be useful, you know, and to make a difference relatively quickly, mm. knowing that you can help people solve some real challenges, but mm. also just to, you know, I've learned so much in this period. In six months, you know, I have been reminded actually of the, the kind of fictions that we've taught ourselves mm. about this art world and just how much of a part, you know, I've played in it, everybody's played in it. Mm. And there are many times when I've stood up, said to myself, no, it, that's not the one for me. No, I'm going to go over here and learn this. No, mm. that's not quite what I was after either. And then just really recognising it's our own desire that's at fault and that actually we have to be really honest about whose opinion we care about and who we want to really engage with and what success looks like for us all individually and I think that once I'd realized that I didn't need validating I don't need mm -hmm. to be the boss of anywhere and neither should I be I think a lot of people should give up their their kingdom to be honest but um i think it's about time that everybody realized that the way it's been is not working for the many yeah sure and i think what you're saying there for me links back to your point earlier and the power in vulnerability actually and just even you taking the move out outside of london that will really speak to people and i and i feel like if you if you are to make yourself vulnerable then there are a lot of people out there who are also feeling, not for the same reasons, but they're, they're feeling vulnerable in the same ways. And I think artists will always, are at their best when they are their most vulnerable. And to be able to talk to someone who's putting them, choosing to put themselves in that situation for you, um, I think that's quite an, up, quite an uplifting kind of idea for me. Um, I know it is for you, Henny. Yeah, massively. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess, I, um, I'm not surprised your this artist mentorship has kind of taken flight. It sounds like a truly wonderful thing that you're doing. Um, uh, what would I like to ask you? I guess um, a, a question that kind of some listeners might 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 want to ask is, what would you say uh, makes an artist a good fit to be mentored? And maybe for you, Henny, what what would make a good mentor as well? I think that thing between what makes a good mentor and a good gallery, I think I think time, what makes a good mentor, would definitely for me is kind of time getting to know someone, um, like we said before, on both levels, on both an artistic practice and also kind of having some sort of personal engagement as well, knowing a little bit about one's life and kind of where you've come from. Um, and, and I think someone that can hear you and be empathetic but challenge you you've got to be challenged um and I think yeah that's I think sorry it's not a particularly long answer no. but I really think it's kind of 
yeah challenge and more and, and you know can can help push you to that to, to the next bit um and is there with you and is champ championing you and and um yeah that mutual mutual respect would you say that's that's linked to a confidence in an artist do you, do you are you like like there are with with, with sports sports people mm. are you are you an artist who kind of gets pushed oh, on I, by a certain yeah confidence? i definitely get fed so like during lockdown and stuff i definitely um carrie and i had a conversation and and that was definitely after that I was definitely buzzing and then I got in touch with you know from that spurring then got in touch with a couple of other artists who I know and then like every month we have a conversation or every six weeks and I definitely get a kick out of having that conversation with someone I, and I didn't necessarily was always a bit scared to kind of contact artists before or mm. can't really no one wants to hear what I've got to say or you know what have you and I think so from that respect having that confidence yeah no it's fine people might might you know let's just sit down in the studio and have a chat because now we can do it on zoom and all these amazing things and I have to say that's really been completely um that's completely changed because although I haven't not particularly brave about getting people into the studio actually suddenly one can you know you can now do that virtually and and that's that's great and it, yeah so it's definitely a confidence thing and I think actually the other artists who I've been speaking to they all say that we all slightly crave it it's a bit like a drug and you kind of like oh yeah no can we speak in two months time or whatever and actually you know it doesn't necessarily have to be about what you're doing particularly at that moment one of the conversations I recently had with someone it was about the books and it sounds really silly but I was kind of in in the studio and didn't realize that actually just by listening to an audiobook about um actually gardening and plants and discovery of some mosses or something that that was kind of infiltrating in, into the work it was it was just something sort of you know it was a different way of just kind of looking at things um things that you don't necessarily see and someone else points out so i think that's a good thing as well that's what i definitely from a mentor as well is is that they can point out things to you that you you're kind of effectively blind to because you're in it um but i think also fre I, that's where there's a sort of crossover i think artist friends i think as well in time you can kind of end up mentoring each other kind of as well but without realizing it so i think it can be something that's very organic and it grows and it's not necessarily you're going to go right that person is going to be my mentor i think it's something that just kind of grows and fruitions over time um, and you, you start to have those people that you can kind of have these honest conversations with. Um. Yeah, I would say that the artists that I work with and that I have close friendships and issues with are artists who are interested in asking new questions of themselves and that they are aware when they have they may have a skewed perspective on something and they're willing that vulnerability that we talked about they're willing to allow themselves to be vulnerable and open themselves up to somebody to ask for a different viewpoint or a different perspective and they're not so um, because sometimes artists don't want to share with each other for other reasons <laughs> you know whether it's um whether there's a similarity in the kind of work, whether there's a don't want to make themselves sound big headed or they feel a bit embarrassed or, you know, there's lots of reasons why artists wouldn't reveal themselves to each other on occasion. Yeah. I think it's brilliant when you find a group that 
that you can do that with. But I think it's also a sort of slightly different perspective in holding a space for somebody, you know, like just knowing that you've created a safe space where anything goes, anything Mm. could be said and it's not daft. And I think the most rewarding relationships for me are when you can reflect things back to somebody and you can see there is an effect that will end up coming through the work in a new way. Mm. So that's something that is a deep shift that doesn't just have significance in the work but actually in their lives too so very often you know it can be in offering new perspectives it can even end up in somebody's relationship you know they have certain kind of mindsets or patterns of behavior or ways of seeing the world that are affecting the way they interact with with others in lots of different ways so i think there's something about The people I work with really are artists, but there's a holistic approach to their practice and the way that they perceive the world and the way that they want to have a connection with others. And so that desire to do some work on yourself, if you like, you know, and work with somebody, you know, to walk side by side through something. Mm. Um, And, you know, when somebody wants to that you take the lead and when they want to take the lead they step forward you know so Mm. it's a kind of real mutual trust and respect but it's also like egging each other on you know it's like actually come on how bonkers can you go or how you know how far can you push Mm. this because I I the one thing I know that I I can do that I really like doing if an artist is up for it is I can usually spot when someone's stuck and what's making them stuck so I can see when they've um when there's a fear or a kind of habit that they've formed that is holding them back in the work and usually you know with a bit of support we can kind of address that to kind of make it freer so they're more fluid in the way that they're working and and behaving so yeah, I think it's um, an artist who really genuinely wants to make change. And, you know, there's a difference in thinking that we're all change makers. But actually, you know, some, it is, it's hard. Sometimes facing some of these things is hard. So somebody has to really want it. And the good thing is that when people approach me now, they've already made that decision at some point, mm. you know. And I think um, they're often very surprised um, that it might feel a bit like counselling at times, but um, it's, you know, uh, the, it's it's all the same. You know, your experience of life and what you want to do with your life, mm. that's that's what it is being an artist. Yeah, and interestingly, you, you're saying that, um, and in, well, I think it, it, it differs from, um, I can't remember the word you used, but kind of, it's, it's, essentially what I'm getting at, it's a two-way relationship. So it's, it's, it's different from my didactic thing, is that you're, yeah, that you are both earning from one another, and I think that is that's some, that's quite a, a special element of definitely what what you do, and definitely from what I've I've heard of Henny that that it's that you're you're not feeling like you're being taught, but that you're kind of moving forward and learning together. I think that's really that's really important. I, I think for artists who have artist friends or whatever. Um, I don't know how you felt for that. Do you feel like that? Yeah, definitely. And I think learning, which Kerry alluded to earlier, um, I definitely am someone that sucks on learning. And I think artists as such, you don't want to be like kind of, I'd be so bored if I was like stuck 
doing the mm. same thing for 20 years you just permanently you, I feel like I permanently need to evolve I permanently need to reassess what I'm doing and I can only do that by learning whether you know reading a different thing going to see a different show that I necessarily I remember Kerry once said just as important to go and see the shows that you don't want to see as you do want to see sure. um, and you know that kind of thing just to kind of you know shake it all up a bit and then you and then you know perhaps someone a show that you didn't want to go and see suddenly it grows on you and, and you like it you just learn and all that just by broadening your horizons mm. more and more and more and I think yeah I think you've just got to spread sp spread your net and see and absorb as much as you possibly can mm. Mm. sure well uh, unfortunately we're kind of coming up to our hour mark um, and which actually leads, leads on nicely to these final two questions that I ask everyone. And you might know, I think I've, in, in, the, in previous episodes you might have listened to, I ask everyone that I, I invite on the, last, the same last two questions. So you, maybe you've thought about it, maybe you haven't. Um, <laughs> so th the first question uh, that, I, that I ask our, our guests is, if you could visit anyone in history, um, it doesn't have to be an artist, and you could swap, swap seats with me, and go to their studios or their house or whatever. Um, who would you visit or who would you like to meet and what would you like to ask them? Either of you can start first, I don't mind. <laughs> you can go ahead. I'll start. I'll start. Because <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really greedy and I can't just have one person. So can I ask you, Dave, can I have a supper table? Seeing as, as, seeing as there's three of us here and I'm breaking the rules, I think you can, I okay. think you can break the rules. So um, I would have Sir Francis Drake... Is would one you? of them. Yeah, I would. <laughs> um, he was an explorer. He learnt lots. I would have Sir Francis Drake with Picasso, Bosch, and Goya, and ah. maybe throw in Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> um, I just love a mix. I just shake it all up, and they're all people. Do you know, that I'm I massively admire. You just said Frida Kahlo. <laughs> oh well, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Now you've said that. Obviously, Frida is Frida is obviously like natural. She's just there anyway. <laughs> just <that laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep it small, and I would that, totally freed us there now. That is the craziest dinner party I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I always have this like kind of weird imagination of like what would happen if all these people came into this world now. Like I imagine the road at Fulham Broadway Tube like opening up, and a carriage with Henry VIII and Sir Francis Drake popped out. Like how would you have a conversation with them? That's really random. But anyway, I think um, talking about expanding and learning that they'd have an opinion on the world, and I just it's just kind of uh, a thought that yeah is always there <laughs> so so you'd, you'd say you wouldn't really want to ask him anything you just want to be like a who would you want to be as a guest or a fly on the wall um i think a fly on the wall i think i'd shit myself if i was a guest <laughs> it might go off with your head or something but um yeah i'd like to see what kind of a conversation they'd all have i guess that makes sense with your um Lust for history, yeah. and understanding, I and mean, there's all kinds of crazy um, political shenanigans going on now. So you probably could learn a lot from. Yeah, that. and I like connecting all the histories and finding out, you know, things of what go on. You know, like I'll read. I was telling you recently, I read um, the Winter Queen. Um, you know, which was amazing, and then I'll go and read um, an amazing book by um, uh, Miro. His gun. I've got it here. Um, his uh, book on how how to be let's have a look oh yeah I work like a gardener by Juan Miro and it's just kind of those juxtapositions against you know the old and the new and 
and and and seeing how how they all kind of bounce off and reflect and everything is connected in some way even if it is a couple of hundred years apart um anyway amazing that's um well that's brilliant see oh yeah miro when i was at art college i used to say miro was my hero yeah um uh but i understand the question for me, um, I, I didn't think you were going to ask me that, David. I thought it was a, a question for Henny. But, um, so I apologise, I didn't prepare for it. But That's good. I think, actually, um, actually, it was it was Mel again recommended um, a, that programme, Lovecraft Country. Have you seen that? No, no. It's absolutely brilliant. You have to watch it. It's by Jordan Peele. And um, it's a new kind of sci-fi uh, episode. I think it's HBO, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, it reminded me of how much I would love to meet James Baldwin. And that partly comes out of um, the show that I did last year with Zach Ove called Get Up, Stand Up Now. And um, the incredible... Uh, photographs that Horace Ove took of James Baldwin and for that show I read deeply and extensively lots of things that really in terms of uh, resistance in terms of resonance in terms of um, the need and desire to shift perception and to create a better society I think that he's an extraordinary human so um, I would like to speak to him I don't. I have so many questions, and actually, I would be I would be mortified if I asked him a shit once. So I'm not going to say it now. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's um, that's somebody I would like to speak to. But I'm conscious that we've just cited a load of fellas, honey, which is very unusual um, because Queen Elizabeth's uh, in there. Uh, no, I put Queen uh, Elizabeth in. You did, but she was a piece of work, right? So. <laughs> yeah, she's scary. <laughs> Oh, the Winter yeah. Queen, I mean, she's pretty cool. <laughs> she's pretty cool. She had, like, 14 children, nine of which survived, and she rode across... She was the Winter Queen because she only was the Queen for, for one winter. And, God, the conditions back then, just mental. Yeah. Respect. Massive respect. Maybe I'd like to speak to Helen Chadwick about her piss flowers. That Ooh. Would be good. That would be good. I'd like to hear that yeah. conversation. Yeah, that would be a nice dinner party company. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many... Oh, and... Well, that's kind of slightly sneaky, although now that she's about to have a show at the National Gallery, uh, Artemisa Gentileschi, I would I would definitely like to have a conversation with her, but before she's now... It suddenly seems like she's become all kind of, like, big. I was very lucky that I've, I've, I've seen one of her paintings being restored... Um, as you know, I did Why? restoration for a while, and so I have. I can say I've touched one, um, touched one up, um, which is great, which is a huge privilege. And actually, there is someone recently who I've been. Um, oh, sorry, this is sorry, Dave. You probably want to finish it, but there is okay. someone else, um, Marianne North. Now that's a lady, um, Victorian times, eighteen hundreds. Um, someone who I think just recently I've kind of rediscovered in my life. I didn't realise, or rather I did, that she um, died and lived the last five years of her life in the hamlet that I grew up in as a child in Gloucestershire. And she um, painted these extraordinary, extraordinary paintings um, around the world. She travelled in 1840s 
um, in her Victorian outfits. And now if you go to Kew Gardens, you can see the Marianne say, North Gallery. And I just think that's pretty gutsy to go on your own. And she relied upon, you know, letters of um, saying, you know, I know so-and-so or someone knows so-and-so. Um, please, could you put me up? And I just think that's just really ballsy. Um, so much work as well. And, and so much work. And, and you know, she was also someone that she was totally against the grain of that time. She was doing botanical mm. drawings and oils. No one did botanical paintings and oils then you know it was all kind of watercolor and so i think i think she is definitely feisty and yeah, in fact hopefully shame. as soon when i next go to visit my brother who's now at home i'm going to go and pay a little homage to her graveside um so she's someone i definitely like a conversation with yeah, yeah. that's good you can see it could go off david yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i should have prepared more sorry no, no there's some slightly late additions thank you um and the last question i like to ask everyone is um, has there been a piece of advice that you've been given or something that someone said to you that's kind of carried through um, with you th throughout your life up until now? That's big. I know it's big. It is big. Um, <laughs> hard off the cuff, I know. There was one teacher when I, I went to school at Loughborough and um, it was quite a challenging place for me to go to school because I, um, I joined... Halfway through, I moved around quite a lot when I was a kid. And there was one teacher there, and I remember drawing this elephant, a really long, elongated elephant. And I remember her writing super <laughs> on the top of it. <laughs> like, you know, what else do you say? I'm not sure that that was the brief to actually even draw an elephant. But when um, there was this habit of asking teachers to write in the back of your school book, you know, like when you move on to the next class. And I asked her what her advice would be for me. And she said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I think um, that's the story of my life, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a trier, that's for sure. Yeah, that's good. I'll build on that. Never take no for an answer. Um, that's, that's something I was told. So, yeah, I guess, so that's why I'm probably inherently stubborn. Um, be yourself. Um, and, yeah, someone more recently said, what's the rush? Yeah. And I like that. That's yeah. kind of like it's, I, I was told that about three, four years ago. I was like, oh, well, I'm always in a rush because I just want to spit it out. Mm. And, and, you know, particularly with painting, there's got to be a spontaneity, there's an urgency. And and there is with it. But, yeah, what's... And I think that was just kind of quite a nice contemplative breathe. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. Be here now. Yeah, be in the present. And the last thing, the very last thing is, um, have you guys got anything that you'd like to let anyone know about that's coming up for either of you? Or it doesn't have to be anything. It could be, you know, you could be have a recommendation of a coffee shop you like. Um, anything or anyone that you'd like to plug? I would like to invite artists if they would like some support on writing artist statements, pricing and selling their work, copyright <laughs> and marketing, online marketing. We have masterclasses, uh, hopefully at an affordable rate um, online, most of which I will be leading myself and you can ask me anything, no questions too daft um, and they're all on the website www.artistmentor.co.uk <laughs> We're coming! So we're, we're signed in! We're signed so, up! So professional. 
No, I, I was I was going to say to everyone, yeah, if you're just, stuck and you need help, exactly just, that. Yeah. I mean, basically, I don't need to plug anything else. <laughs> but it's, you know what, though, on a serious note, it's really amazing, actually, how many artists kind of that I have spoken to or seen kind of recently. In fact, I can think of three people off the top of my head in the last kind of week who've said, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a bit stuck, not sure what to do, not sure what to see. And, mm. and I'm... I, your what you're doing and what you've set up answers those questions and i don't think you know you don't necessarily get the answer to those questions now going to art college mm. um and and so that is a gap that that you have filled i mean you know marketing crikey i sure i'm going to be on a, a an online show i don't really know what that means um so i need to brush up on marketing skills is that right <laughs> so i'll be signing up but yes mm. <laughs> when is the show honey um, do you know what it's? I think it's at the end of September, um, and it's a online Instagrammy thing. I I I don't even know how to do a repost on Instagram, so I need to learn. Um, Good to know. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's it. So watch out for that. Look out for that one. Yeah. I guess last but not least, I would just say to all artists, just keep being brilliant. Bring the weirdness and just be yourselves because it's the only thing that counts. Well, I've got nothing else to add after that. What a perfect no. ending. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kerry. Um, You're welcome. So, Thank you so and, much and for the invitation. Henny, and to you, Hanny. It was so kind of you to think of me. Oh, Thanks no. so much. You guys have been so generous and honest and warm. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that. I'm sure everyone else will. Um, so oh. thank you both. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please find more information about what was discussed in the podcast in the notes section. And if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes, um, then please subscribe or follow us depending on which listening platform you use. And head over to our Instagram page, at to the studio, which we regularly update with posts about each guest we have and all other goings on as well. To the studio is produced by the audio wizard, an all-round great guy that is Theo Bird and I would thoroughly recommend getting in touch with him for all your audio needs on Instagram he is birdperson bird is spelt B-Y-R-D person also if you can spare a moment to leave us a lovely review that would help us out a lot and it allows us to reach a few more ears than we are currently and lastly if you've got any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms or send us over an email. Our details are again in um, the notes section uh, of each episode of the podcast. Well, thanks very much again for listening and we'll see you next time.